Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics, pop culture, and sports. And it is comics time as we are talking the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I'm your host, as always, Matt Pierce. Uh, joining me today is uh, Kevin Miller. How the heck are you, Kev? Hey, not too bad. Good to be here. All right. Good to have you here. Spoiler alerts uh, from here on out because we will be discussing pretty much anything and, and all things the Falcon and Winter Soldier that occurred on the old Disney Plus. Uh, last episode aired on uh, last Friday. We're recording this on, what is today? Today's Tuesday, right? So a few days later. So you had plenty of time to see it by now. But uh, definitely, if you have not seen it, spoiler alerts going forward. Let's just start off with the just the main question I'll have right off the hop. And we should probably say spoiler alert for WandaVision, too, because we'll probably talk about WandaVision, because you just got to compare these two. And I'm going to start off by comparing the two by asking you, Kevin, which did you enjoy? Well, actually, no, let's let's wait a second. Did you enjoy Falcon and Winter Soldier? Let's start with that. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> with All right. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, for me, it's, um, it's harkening back to what I've been saying on this podcast for years, which is that my favorite MCU movie is Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, for me too. This, which this show turned into at the end. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was more of that, and uh, I, I guess I just really appreciated it, and I don't think I fully appreciated it what a... Um, uh, a good actor uh sebastian stan is until this show um nor anthony mackie like there was a lot of uh <laughs> great performances in the show and and that sort of down-to-earth less magic and god uh mcu is kind of where i like to hang my hat yeah and and that's because yeah we're doing the, the what did they say wizards android what was it the big three that they they joked in the in the yeah, it's like spies uh, androids and wizards or something or alien aliens androids and wizards that was that was what he said in the first episode you know we're dealing with some of the big three it's like we don't need those guys it's not one of the big three <laughs> or whatever which is probably the best meta joke that they made uh made in this series it was uh it was it was a lot of fun. I I enjoyed this one too. Uh, the, the this comparison has obviously been made a lot, but we were basically doing the we were basically doing Lethal Weapon, and we we made this uh, com- comparison that it seemed like based on the on on the commercials or the trailers or whatever you want to call it in our WandaVision wrap up as we were kind of leading into this one that it looked like it was going to be Marvel's version of Lethal Weapon because Marvel Marvel's done the thing that. Uh, where they've they've kind of cracked the formula of comic book movies by just doing genre films, but guys just put on super suits or have superpowers yeah, or whatever MCU the heck. You as a setting, I think, is how I described yeah. it before. <laughs> yeah, and and we have uh, so so this is their lethal weapon where where you know we got the 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 buddy cop with the guys who are kind of at odds, but they learn to be. That you know they learn to be friends at the end, and then of course we had Daniel Bruhl shows up halfway through the series for the back half of the episodes, and basically is in the is, is basically in the Joe Pesci role from Lethal Weapon Two, <laughs> right? Like like it was it was it was a delight. I thought you know I had had a couple issues with uh, you know I had I had a few issues with some things. Overall, I I thought it was a delight. I I think I liked it a lot better than. WandaVision, because I had some problems with the first few episodes of WandaVision. WandaVision was, obviously, I think, uh, from a creative standpoint, I think it was I think it was far more creative and yep. universe-building than this was, but 
like you said, this is just like kind of boots on the ground, despite the fact that the main character of this particular show can fly. So no pun intended, but this is more boots on the ground type of storytelling that 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 we like. And 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 it it, it tends to be. And when I say we, I mean just specifically you and me, because we we've always been kind of and even. Even when we read DC stuff, we've always kind of been more partial to like the Batman stuff and and less the uh, the whole gods and monsters and stuff. Even though we we we, we like that stuff too. But uh, where are you? Did you like this one more or which one did you like better, WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier? As far as the first two outings of uh, the Marvel TV formula, it's difficult to say because on one hand i i like the sort of genre like if if i'm comparing them on the same sort of level i i really like them both um i prefer generally the um like down-to-earth storytelling that we have with like our guys who are soldiers even if they are super soldiers at least you can kind of understand it from that perspective um whereas you know when things are like magical they tend to be real obscure and you can kind of do whatever you want i i tend to not like those as much but wandavision had a really interesting format that made me come back week after week um so it's it's hard to tell i I think that i preferred this one uh falcon and winter soldier and i think because it 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 is what you're saying like they it started off with what we saw in the trailer where you know it's are two buddy cops, but they, you know, play by opposite rule books and et cetera, but they have to work together. Uh, then you throw Zemo into the mix and things get even more weird. Then you throw Sharon Carter into the mix and things get even further off the rails. And then John Walker shows up to ruin everybody's parade. And then the Dora Milaje is there to just add an extra facet to it. Like it, it got, it, it, I think it was paced better. Um, but things were just constantly escalating in a way that made me really interested in seeing like the next scene, the next scene. And, and the fact that there were like hour long episodes, um, really gave me as much as I was hoping for. Um, the one caveat I have is that I wish that there was maybe like an extra 20 minutes of our finale episode because things seem to wrap up real fast and I have questions that are still sort of hanging. Um, but overall, I think I preferred Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I, I And it's tough because we have to compare these two, despite the fact they were just two completely different shows, right? Like, there's there's just no... If these two weren't under the like under the blanket of the same MCU brand, you'd never you'd never want to compare WandaVision to Falcon and the Winter Soldier because they're just two completely different completely shows. Completely different shows, yeah. Yeah, which, you know, is is both the, the, which is, you know, kind of the beauty of the MCU that they can do these these completely different shows. And like we said earlier with the, the different versions of genre storytelling. And then we got the uh, the Loki show coming up, which seems to be like a, like the trailer for it made it seem like it's going to be like a Wes Anderson flick or something. It's going to be like Wes Anderson in, the, in like the Loki world where it's going to be like... The trailer, the most recent trailer at least, is giving me... Um, I've never watched this show, but I know enough about it to say that it's giving me big quantum leap energy. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, for sure. It, yeah, and, and it, it just... They're going to be three completely different shows when it's all said and done, right? Like, they, they, there's going to be no reason to compare them. Like, you wouldn't compare... <laughs> 
like I don't know, you, you you'd never be like, you know, which show did you like better, Game of Thrones or Brooklyn Nine Nine, right? Like you <laughs> yeah. wouldn't compare those two. Like it doesn't make sense to compare the those two particular shows, right? But uh, you know, this is all we got right now as far as the MCU, and you because like even even if you were to take it a step further and kind of compare it to the CW shows with the DC with the you know the DC CW shows, it just you know the, that's network versus what what disney's doing with their with their 100 million with their movie yeah. budgets making television shows right like like if you were to compare those basically the opening sequence where uh george st pierre returns as as batrock the leaper in that was uh fun, and by the way that, that was back for a couple episodes <laughs> hell yeah i got kind of iced at the end there which sucked but uh just <laughs> yeah. you know just because he's our, you know, good Canadian boy, Jean, uh, George St. Pierre. But it was cool that he came back for a couple episodes for sure. But the opening sequence of the first, the opening like 15, 10, 15 minutes of the very first episode spent, had the kind of action sequence budget that, you know, w- basically the Flash would have for an entire 22 episode run on, exactly. in a season of in a season of television on the, the cw <laughs> exactly right like they, they basically spent that amount of money in like the first 15 minutes and it's just like the kid gloves are off with these shows man because like, the, like the, the production value for this as uh, the production value and the action set value that they can get from this is 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 just absolutely insane like it's a, it's a crazy new world we 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 you know, living in terms of like the amount of stuff that they can do and well, yeah, the budgets and, and, that they can get for limited series is right. Because of the story they were telling, it's like, okay, well guys, here's, um, you know, Falcon doing his thing, his Avengers type thing that you've seen him do in a couple movies for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time. He's doing it in the first 15 minutes of the show. And then you don't see him in costume again for like three more episodes. Like mm-hmm. that's the kind of story that they can tell. Um, and I think that they can get away with it because a they they run their universe like a setting and they set different sort of genre set pieces in it until they have like their big Avengers let's all come together to face like universe uh, level threat you know Avengers level threat as uh, you know Jake Gyllenhaal put it. Um, mm-hmm. But then, like, in between, like, the reason you don't get sick of it is because everything is totally different, right? Like, this isn't the third tv show that they're doing this year or the third movie like you know marvel puts out three movies a year on years that are 2020 and they're not the same at all so you don't get sick of them you want to keep going back because you know the the sort of movie you're going to see when black widow comes out on my birthday by the way uh versus you know spider-man versus you know (laughs) captain america 4 which is on the horizon now like those are all going to be totally different movies Absolutely. Uh, let's get into some of the characters, and let's start with the two titular characters, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Let's start with the Falcon. Anthony Mackie uh, got to uh, stretch his wings in, in this thing, and I thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Uh, but yeah, like pun absolutely intended, got to stretch his wings in this one because he was always kind of, you know, BC level kind of guy in, in the... Uh, in the MCU didn't get a lot of stuff in pretty much any scene he was in. He was always on like, is there a, is Anthony Mackie ever on screen in the MCU and any of the movies off the top of my dome? Can you think of any, any scenes where he is on the screen and Chris Evans is not? Cause I don't think that's the case. The only time I can think of is in Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, you're right. There it is. There it is. 
And that was a tacked on scene that the director didn't even want to do, right? No. So, <laughs> and that so. was a scene where Ant Man is the guy you're cheering for. <laughs> yeah, and and so yeah, so it was yeah, you're right. So Anthony Mackie, that's the only one, and that was a tacked on scene that uh, the director didn't even want to do, and they didn't shoot until after the what was it, Peyton Reed, right, got fired off of uh, off of Ant Man, didn't he? And then uh, they I shot which that. Way it went, to be honest, but I know that like Edgar Wright was originally involved. <laughs> I yeah, was it Edgar Wright? Yeah, was it Edgar Wright or Peyton Reed? Whatever, it's not the point. Either it, like, either way, you know, you're you're right that like it, that's the only scene right off the top of your head, and I completely forgot about that. But well, it, it's basically uh, a cameo. Like it's like a five minute fight. Total, and he looks like a joke because he gets his ass kicked by Ant Man the entire time, right? Which is is kind of a thing that you can bring up with these two guys is that outside of the Winter Soldier, like the Captain America Winter Soldier movie. The two guys in this, they get their asses kicked constantly outside of that movie, right? Like, that movie's basically the only time those two guys have ever won fights up until this. And yeah. for the most part, that continues. <laughs> like, they get there, like, because there's, there's been that meme of, uh, you know, there's the SpongeBob meme for Winter Soldier where it, says, where it says, you know, Bucky and Winter Soldier. And it's like SpongeBob, you know, looking like he's on roids. And then, you know, Bucky and everything else. And then it's like dried out, that dried out husk of SpongeBob yeah, yeah. <laughs> shot or whatever. That, that's that's pretty famous. Um, but we're, 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 we're talking uh, Anthony Mackie. I liked, he was, I thought he was fantastic. The only, the only gripes I would have as, as far as what they gave him. I thought, I thought the, in the final episode. I thought the big speech that he got to do in front of all the uh, in in front of all the senators or whatever the heck they were. Yeah. I thought GRC. that speech, the GRC, whatever they call it. I thought that speech went on about two five minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah, two minutes too long, and was also a, a little ham-fisted even for the MCU, even which is Captain supposed America. to be. <laughs> yeah, and for Captain America, which is supposed to be naturally ham-fisted. Uh, you know that that was about the only part of the journey that I didn't realize. I was like, ah, I was a bit over the top. And the other thing is, this, this is sort of I, the point I was bringing up earlier, where I, I kind of mm. wish that maybe that speech was cut a little short, and maybe that episode was expanded by about twenty minutes, sort of in the epilogue, because I didn't understand. Like, he, like he's kind of giving a speech to a bunch of people who were like, "Yeah, you're totally right," and no one's being like, "Yeah, so what's your take on this, Captain America? Like, are you going to be helping us? Like, are you part <laughs> of the military still? Are you a civilian?" Are you a criminal? Like, where do we where do we land on uh, Sam Wilson at this point? <laughs> because like yeah. no one made you Captain America, and apparently we had to do that earlier this season. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, that was like a whole thing. We had to end the first episode with the government regulating. You know, this is the our new designated Captain America. We're like, the oh, ones geez, who, there who are terrorists. Picked. I guess we've got to have a Captain America right now, so we're gonna go to Johnny Walker, Red, White, and Blue, and make him. <laughs> yeah, make him our boy. Yeah, and we'll get into his his character in a bit. The, the yeah, only other, I, I think that Anthony Mackie was stellar in this, and um, yeah, I, I really like. Um, and we can get into this as much as we are capable of getting into it as two white guys. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the fact that they sort of made it uh, a, a sort of parable for American racial justice as well. Especially like in the week that the finale came out, where yeah, know, <laughs> the same time Derek Chauvin was that that shit was going down. The raid on the GRC in the final episode was basically a capital raid. Like, it, yeah, it, it feels very time. Some, pr some proud boys for sure. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. Uh, yeah, it was. It was like 
I mean, I'd like to say that they that they it, it it's a coincidence that that happened, but I mean, it's like or it was like just sort of fortuitously timed. But I'm just like, uh, I mean, they basically could have picked a week, and it probably would have ended up being fortuitously timed the way shit goes down, well, yeah, <laughs> especially that's, down that's, in the states. It's like, ugh. but uh, all the more reason that we 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 need something like this, and the but. Yeah, you're right, and 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 we're obviously dangerously unqualified as as two you know thirty something white dudes, but you know. Yeah, all, all I can say is that I appreciated it, and I'm not qualified yeah. to talk about it much more than that. But like that, the scene, and we can get into because I I thought Anthony Mackie's strongest scenes in this were any scene with his sister, basically, and and yep. any scene with I don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, Eddie Perro Oduye, that's my pathetic white dude per- attempt at a at a at a, a, a very African name. So please forgive me on that one. If, if if someone wants to message me phonetically how you pronounce that, I will adjust accordingly. But please don't hold it against me. But she was excellent as Sarah Wilson in in the limited time that she got, and like the scene with them when they're like rebuilding the boat, like just classic classic uh, families coming together and stuff. But then just like. The scenes with Anthony, like, I I think the second I think the second best Anthony Mackie scene in this was was because um, uh, it, it straddled that perfect line I thought between serious and comedy that MCU uh, dialogue has been able to pull off these past uh, thirteen years, uh, which was the scene with uh, him and Sebastian Stan when they're in the interrogation room having like their therapy session the, the with the th- I thought. <laughs> Yeah, just so so excellent, but like man, that scene in the penultimate episode because Game of Thrones made this famous because I think they did this in and you know and WandaVision well actually I just it's probably not even Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones made this super or made people like myself, I guess, super aware, fans, I guess, in general, super aware that the penultimate episode of a season always tends to be the best one because you can do all of the, you can do all of the cool big time story reveals and stuff and not feel the need to, uh, in like Game of Thrones case, plant the seeds for the next season, as well as tie up all the loose ends for this season while, you know, setting up, setting up. It's your, um, yeah. It's your climax, and then followed by your epilogue. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, because like all of the all of the best, uh, you know, Game of Thrones episodes tend to be the the second last episode, episode of whatever nine, season. <laughs> yeah, the episode nine. You know, they had the episode nine. They had the Battle of the Bastards, the Battle of Blackwater, etc. It just goes. Uh, I believe Cersei blew up the capital in the or blew up the sept in the penultimate episode of that particular so also season. Game of Thrones, and, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Come on now. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Game of Thrones spoilers. Game of Thrones. Yeah, people have turned, like, society turned on that show, the likes of which I have never quite seen before. That and How I Met Your Mother are probably the two two shows that that, that society just turned on. But, like, man, that conversation in the penultimate episode with our boy, Carl Lumley, going all the way back to being, like, uh, I mean, um, among the, the, the slew of glorious IMDb credits, but uh, number one in in your programs and number one in our hearts, specifically yeah. yours and mine, uh, the voice of the Martian Manhunter, the, the 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 true Martian Manhunter. When I'm reading comic books and and uh, Martian Manhunter speaks, it's Carl Lumley's voice that I hear in my head. Yep, absolutely. And it, it was a joy to see him in the show. <laughs> oh, he was so good, and just like the 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 
conversation with him in the second ep- in the second last episode leading up to the uh, Smithsonian scene in, in in the final episode, which I thought should have been the... I, I thought that should have been the final scene yeah. in the show, but they went to the... I, and this is kind of a buddy cop staple, too, where uh, where, where you have the, the, the party, or like the... <laughs> the barbecue. The, the barbecue slash cookout at the end, and everybody, like, just, you know, doing the, the, the classic... And... and a, a franchise that that I I got you into the Fast and the Furious just the the Salumi Familia scene basically yeah, totally. <laughs> that is is how I refer to it just like just excellent excellent well, like I, I I like that but I I did think that the the Carl Lumley scene should have been the capper on the season because I thought that was the season's strongest moment I, by I agree, far and and we can get into this because uh, this might be a good segue actually because I think that mm-hmm. that uh, like that final like Doc's barbecue scene is the mm-hmm. you know the closing arc on Bucky's sto- arc in this yeah a little bit which is the the season begins with Bucky like uh, Bucky basically like he's sleeping on the floor of his place because he's still the Winter Soldier deep down in his heart and he can't sleep in a soft bed because it feels like he's sleeping on a marshmallow. They talked about it in Winter Soldier. <laughs> yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then you see him in the first episode. So yeah. what's that? So you see him in the first episode, and he's sleeping on the floor of his of his like crappy apartment or whatever, right? Yeah, like, exactly. uh, yeah. Uh, and the first episode basically has him going to therapy and not admitting that he's having nightmares and he's trying to make amends with people that he's wronged in the past, but he's doing it very passively. And in some cases, he's not doing it at all when he knows he should. Um, he in that therapy scene where he and uh, Anthony Mackie are like leg locked, he basically says that, you know, the, the shield is the closest thing he has to a family. And that because Anthony Mackie just gave it away, he couldn't forgive him for that. And to the point where we get to the end and he his he's kind of found a new purpose in himself. He's uh, gone and made amends with um, the uh, elderly uh, uh, Asian man whose son he killed in a, that flashback we got, I believe, in the first episode. Um, yes. He's crossed off all the names on his list and, and you know, even Zemo made his amends with him in the scene that we saw at the very end. Uh, I think episode five and, you know, this is him like, you know, able to relax and have a family again. And uh, it's kind of a great coda for that character to have in this season. Um, For me, the most powerful Bucky scene that we got, I believe, was the intro to season episode four, maybe. Um, where it shows him, it flashes back to him in Wakanda, basically. Yes! Being oh, for sure. Preach. De-brainwashed, and as as uh, Io is reading off the words to him, like the Daybreak, 17, Freight Train, etc., like he's uh, realizing that it no longer has power over him, and it shows him, like, break down in his tears, like, in a single take, like, this man has acting chops that I don't think have been used at all in the MCU, because he's just been, you know, Chris Evans sidekick up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what else he can do going forward. Um, and, and it was great to see him as a character, find some sort of levity and be happy at the end of the, uh, at the end of the barbecue montage where it basically shows him like fake throwing a cake at the boys and they're all hanging off of his <laughs> robot arm. And yeah, flirting, that was great. Flirting with, uh, you know, Sam's sister. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Mm-hmm. Bucky. Yeah. Were you shipping uh, Bucky and Ao? Because that that I was for sure shipping Bucky and Ao in this one. 
the 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 person in me who likes the buddy cop dynamic is shipping Bucky and Sam's sister. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. All it right. feels like I mean, again, it, it's it's a it's a vibe that I haven't seen because I I, I admittedly haven't seen a lot of your classic like eighties um uh buddy cop movies where the genre was at its uh you know zenith you might say yeah one white guy one black guy they're from two different worlds <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? like, black and tan. yeah geez i was getting a real like um a tango and cash sort of vibe. <laughs> yeah a little bit a little bit yeah um but For uh, sure. yeah like and it, it's fantastic to see where in um in these and, and i'll say it for um uh, WandaVision as well, where we have more time to explore these sort of like B and C string characters in the MCU. Like we always for years have credited like, you know, wow, Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Tony Stark, right? Like, yes. It's fantastic. But like we don't necessarily get that with these like second string guys who get 10 minutes of screen time in these Avengers movies where they're just sort of like, you know, filling out the scenery. Um, and it's been fantastic to see, like, you know, Elizabeth Olsen has chops, Paul Bettany has chops, Sebastian Stan has chops, like, it's it's fantastic to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to, ch- I mean, obviously they get the chance to stretch their wings in, you know, other franchise, other, I'd say franchises, other films, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but uh, very rarely do they get the chances, the kind of tertiary characters, which is kind of the best part of these uh television limited series that they're doing is that uh it's been great you know you yeah you get to bring out the b and c characters and, 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 and i don't know if it's just like this new string i don't know if it's because of like disney's production i don't know if it's because it has like that production team involved um versus like what we got from say like iron fist for example <laughs> yeah geez. where it's like you had the opportunity it's technically mcu but you know a this is a character that you're introducing for this show and b it's just not at that level and i don't know what the reason for it is but it's that's how i feel <laughs> yeah because um, daredevil was great but you know <laughs> I, yeah, it kind I, of fell down from it was there. Yeah, better than like one of these necessarily. Each one of those shows got worse than the last. Is yeah. is how I and then and, and then a slight uptick in the second season of Daredevil. We often said like, for eh. like Netflix uh, Marvel series like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and so on that they might have had too much time. For sure. Um, whereas, yeah, they, none of them needed to be 13 hours long. They yeah, needed to and, be and it feels like eight or nine. Learned because this was six episodes and it left me wanting more. Yep. They were also spending a lot more money, so there's no way you'd get more than like yeah, ten episodes there's, there's on these to, for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, before we move on, I want to talk about uh, how did you feel about the Sam Wilson comic book accurate Captain America suit that we got in the final episode? Because despite it being very comically accurate. I gotta say, I I didn't I didn't like it. I thought he I thought he looked a bit like a Power Ranger when he <laughs> when he was out there. Uh, so I mean, I didn't love the suit either, and I don't mm. know why necessarily. Like, it's not something that I'm comparing to the comics because, as you know, mm-hmm. I haven't read the comics. Um, I I've, I've seen pictures and stuff like that where you know post uh avengers endgame where it's like oh you're here's the shield you're captain america now i'm like oh boy like i've, I've seen the pictures where people are posting online of like here's what here's what the falcon as captain america looks like um so 
I don't know. It, it was very comic accurate, and I don't know if that was fit, uh, a fantastic fit for this. I, I I don't feel honestly qualified to give a great opinion because uh, I, I didn't feel strongly one way or the other, to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah, I just I just didn't like it. I thought it just looked very I like I said I thought it looked very much like a Power Ranger. I'm sure they'll clean it up. They they got plenty of plenty of time, and they they've always done alternate versions of everything like captain yeah. america's suit constantly changed until they found a dope I, one I same with iron say, man so was, um the, the the captain america suit in the the first avengers movie in 2012 i think was my least favorite yeah so um, cheesy and, but and kind of the point for that so, one too so, i mean next time we see anthony mackie as captain america he might have he'll mm-hmm. likely have a different suit and probably even a, a third suit in that same movie that tends yeah. to be the, the way, way- <laughs> The way they had him fighting, though, in that in that final episode, I thought was fantastic. Where it was like the perfect blend of I'm using the shield and I'm fighting like Captain America, but also I'm not him and I don't have, you know, superpowers. But also I've got cool wings and stuff, and I can yeah, do I can stuff fly. with the wings. <laughs> yeah, like he did that. Like he did that one part when he was fighting Carly Morgenthau, who we'll get to, uh, where he did like basically the Valkyrie shield from God of War, <laughs> where yeah, yeah. she like tried to kill him and he he you know brought the wings all the way around him and then blocked it and i was like ooh the phallus, <laughs> like, yeah I, I think i literally yeah went, ooh, <laughs> after, like, yeah this will bounced off of him <laughs> yeah i was like push out one twice push out one twice <laughs> so you break that shield and it was just like uh so good um yeah we talked a little we talked a little bucky we talked a little we, we we talked a lot of anthony mackie and how we we liked what we had going on let's talk about everybody's favorite new addition to the MCU, that is Wyatt Russell, son of Kurt Russell, making his debut as originally Captain the Captain America redo John Walker, and then they referred to him as his proper name, U.S. Agent, in the final episode. Uh, Kevin, where were you on on Wyatt Russell and his performance as John Walker? Um, I liked it it's it's one of those performances that you get Mm -hmm. every like five to ten years or so where like this is a character that you hate so much Mm -hmm. um because you're 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 trained to hate someone who's a usurper like this (laughs) Uh, yeah and uh it it's the it's the dolores umbridge it's the character that you hate and it's because it's being acted so well to be hateful um it it and then I needed Carl Lumley to basically tell me why at the end to basically be like, oh yeah, he's the blue, blue-eyed, blonde-haired poster boy. They will never let a black man be Captain America, um, and, and it makes you understand like you know this is a this is you know to name another character that you love to hate. It's it's the Joffrey. It's the if you have to say that you're king, that means you're not the king. <laughs> if you have yeah. to constantly be screaming, I'm Captain America, no one's gonna buy it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, I, and I the thought... way that he was constantly getting clowned by everybody up to the point where he took the super soldier serum was just amazing. Like there's the bit where um the Dora Milaje and Io leading them basically yep. like take the shield from him and lay him out on his ass. And he's like, they weren't even super soldiers. Yeah. That was <laughs> so like, impotent. <laughs> that was so impotent when that happened. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, yeah. Oh man. He, that, that was, yeah, that was so pathetic and, and, and impotent when he did that. That was such a good performance. He was so good. And to your point, so good and so hateable that, 
what's the word of just what's the word I'm searching for here? Uh, losers on the internet sent this guy death threats in yeah, real life yeah. for a character he played. I, what seven? Like he, he recorded seven months ago, or something like, or probably longer, longer than that, because they would have. Because didn't they film this before COVID? Yeah, so it would have been this like was it, supposed to come out like last summer. Yeah, yeah. So like over, yeah, you know, months, maybe close to close to two years ago, he played this character, and and now he's getting death threats over it because some losers on the internet are like, you're not really Captain America, and like and it was just like. Good lord, people, get a grip! Like, what are you? Fictional character, not mine. Yeah, I'm literally Ben Affleck in fucking the James Bond. Fictional characters, right? (laughs) Like, these are not like real, and just like I will say, other than the other than the embarrassing death threats, and if you're one of those people who sent death threats to Wyatt Russell over your social media. I hope you get a canker sore. I really do. Like, just, God, what a loser you yeah, are that you did that. Stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, don't do that. Keep down. Well, I guess don't listen, but like I say, download it, but don't listen. But You're for the love of like God. <laughs> yeah, but for the love of God, because I'm speaking directly to you, giant loser. <laughs> like, it's just, man, that was that was just... Oh, so so bad, but like he he was so good as this this uh, this hateable Captain America version of Captain America who's yep. just like and like this is like it, it was a dead nuts on portrayal of the U.S. agent character where he's just like this is I'm I want to be Captain America I can't quite be there I'm kind of a good guy because my intentions are good but I go about it so unbelievably the not right way that yeah. it's like dude what are you doing the, right the like, that you saw over and over again was like that the quote from like Dr. Erskine in the first Avenger where he's like we mm-hmm. don't need a perfect soldier but a good man <laughs> yeah and also like, just that like the good man and then why Russell is the perfect soldier but you know that that's not what you need in a Captain America and then there were a lot of comparisons in episode four of like you have a conversation between like Zemo and uh, Sam Wilson where they're basically discussing like would you take like a super soldier serum and he thinks like it's a route a route to like basically supremacy and that sort of ideology and you know Sam Wilson's like I'd never take it and then you have a character who's just like yeah at first opportunity I'm gonna take the super soldier serum. <laughs> Yeah, he was talking to Lamar Hoskins, Battlestar, yeah. who, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if, if it's Cly or, I, I'm going to pronounce him Cly, I think his name's Cly Bennett, but he he was great, but <laughs> I'll say this about Cly Bennett's Lamar Hoskins, the most obvious black guy death oh, since yeah. <laughs> when? <laughs> like, the last one, I guess? But no, like, scary movie. <laughs> I, like, that guy was, like, he was in there, and I'm just like, oh my god, Lamar, I, I was just like, oh my god, Clyde, you have no shot, no shot of getting out of this series alive, and then when he did, it was just like, yeah, they did so well with the, like, with the parallels in this of, of John Walker's journey vis-a-vis the two Captain Americas uh, in the past, right? Well, well they just, did, they did such a good uh, job of, of bringing it back to the Captain America that we... Just the, the story that we've been told in the MCU with, like, uh, as you suggested, the conversations about whether or not you would take the serum. And then Lamar Hoskins has the thing where he's like, you know, er- Erskine said the said the thing where he's like, you know, the serum will bring out the best of whatever you are. Right. And yeah. and in, uh, you know, Chris Evans, Captain America case, that is, you know, his ability to always see and kind of do the right thing. Whereas, 
you know, Walker's been trained since he was, you know, since, since he was whatever to be this guy and he feels he's entitled to this. And if he took it, it would bring out that, you know, it brings out that entitlement and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, there, but there was also the bit where like they, they tied it back to, and I keep coming back to Carl Lumley as Isaiah Bradley and just, you know, God, what a great comic book run the, the Isaiah Bradley stuff is too. God, that was some good shit. If you, like, go find those Isaiah Bradley comics and read those. Cause I'm they, honestly that, that, considering it because everything you I've should seen, that like, is like on Instagram as like that. Fucking, here's, here's like bits of this character, little bits and pieces. Like, yeah, it sounds awesome. It sounds powerful. Oh, the run is fucking brilliant and powerful. It it, it was it was just so good. The, and I remember reading and. The, the, the guy who created it, I remember him reading it being like he wanted to make Captain America black. And they were like, you know, and he expected some pushback. But Marvel, to their credit, were like, no, go for it. But the only caveat they had was you can't say he was the first Captain America. The first, like, oh, yeah. which, you know, kind of is, is semi-dumb and also wouldn't make sense. Because why would you do that? But, like, why would he write it like that? And uh but yeah, that was it. But like, you know, the the when, when Isaiah Bradley explains what he did, like the Carl Lumley Isaiah Bradley explains what he did to get himself basically disavowed by the govern by the U.S. government and thrown into prison and locked away from you know his wife, who he never got to see, who you know passed away while he was in jail for thirty years or whatever the heck he was. He did the exact thing that. Chris Evans did in Captain America, the first adventure that basically made him become Captain America, the star spangled man with the yeah, plan, he right? Where, where he, he rescued his, he disobeyed orders and went and went behind enemy lines and rescued his friends and crew members. But like the difference was Captain America became Captain America because he did that. And Isaiah Bradley was disavowed and thrown in jail and forgotten about and whatnot. And it was, it was just the way they, the second they did that, I was like, I remember just like, I, I had to fight myself from just standing up and being like, brilliant. Right. Like it, just, I, it I was did just stand up because I was so agitated you? because I was like, every yeah. time Chris Evans has been like in the lead, like every of, of the three mm-hmm. Captain America movies we've had is always about him breaking the rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it was just such a brilliant him, like, going rogue from shield. And then like, you know, mm-hmm. Civil War speaks for itself. Like, and Civil War's in the name. Yeah. Oh, Wyatt, Wyatt Russell. I just, I just thought he was, I just thought he was so good, so good in in, in this. Good. And, 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 and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to ascribe this too much to the way a person looks, but I mean, like, he just looks like a shit-eating grin. <laughs> oh, they, well, they just, gave it to him, right? Yeah. And giving him that really bad, because like it, it, at the beginning he he had the clean shaven face and whatnot, and then as the show went on, he got noticeably more scruffier and stuff, and the scruff just added to the like, yeah. <laughs> right? it was just like, um, do you think we'll see him in the movies going forward? Um, I wonder what they're putting together with, uh, and we can segue into this. I wonder what they're putting together with uh, this Madame Hydra character. I've been hearing so. Yeah, much about. for sure. Yeah, the the Viper uh, show. Um, Julia Louis Dreyfus shows Julia up Lewis as Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> yeah, MCU. shows up as Valentina so Allegra de Fontaine. Yeah, that was that was so good. Uh, she, apparently, she was supposed to be in. Uh, I guess spoiler alert. If, if, okay, this is a real spoiler alert. If you know, if if you don't want to hear it, I'll give you a couple seconds of silence. Skip ahead thirty seconds on your thing, and then catch us back. Okay. Allegedly, she was she's supposed to be in Black Widow first. Yep, I, I've heard so that. I. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if that's as a as a you know end credit stinger or as a whatever, but uh, allegedly. 
Um, but, uh, you know, coming from the Okay. So, uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, like, she's always been, like, the, like, the, the great, and Julie Dreyfus is so good, because she's always been the, like, Hydra version of Nick Fury, right? Where she, you know, used to work for S.H.I.E.L.D. and then, you know, got kicked out of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then had a, uh, you know, well, or betrayed him for better interest, depending on who's telling the story. And, and you know, she had a, a relationship with Nick Fury and neither of them are re- really very trustworthy. And she always does like, you know, the she, she does the, you know, kind of flip version of high, uh, the flip version of Hydra where. You know, she she puts together uh, oh, uh, Leviathan, right? Which is that like like after Hydra falls, she creates Leviathan and stuff like that. And she she's Madame Hydra or the Viper in f- certain certain versions. Uh, like they did a version of her in kind of sort of version of her in the the Wolverine. Remember the one where where he goes to Japan? I I haven't seen that movie actually. Um, it's it's funny mm. that you bring it up though because uh, me and the family have been. Uh, my my stepdaughter, who's 13, she's gone mm-hmm. through all the MCU and wanted more. And over this past yeah. weekend, we have watched four X Men movies. <laughs> noise, noise. So well, we, for the most uh, part, we noise. Just finished uh, First Class during dinner tonight, so we are uh, probably moving on to the Wolverine Origins uh, sometime soon. Yeah, they do. They do a very off-brand version of the of Viper in 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 that movie. I won't uh, I won't give it anything away since you're about to watch it for, <laughs> for the first time. But I, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's it's a it's such a great way that she could basically build the bad guys version of of the avengers if that's their way like whether or not they they plan on doing the thunderbolts or or or, i I did a bit of a look up on this character because i'm like i'm sure this Mm -hmm. is somebody i'm like okay madam hydra triple agent thunderbolts dark avengers yeah (laughs) yeah like if she wants to put together the dark avengers she's starting it off with like her first her first Dark Avenger, if you will, with the U.S. agent yep. who will be the counterpart to Captain America. So, yeah, there I, you I, go, it right? Makes you wonder if her role in the mm-hmm. thing, <laughs> Black Widow, uh, might be yeah. like uh, Florence yeah. Pugh or something like that. Exactly. Who knows? We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, let us get into some of the bad guys. I want to start off, probably not where you're thinking I want to start off with. Let's talk about some of the ladies. But I want to start off with uh, Emily Van Camp, a uh, good Canadian girl, comes back as Sharon Carter. First time we've seen her since Civil War? War? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure Civil War. First time we've seen her since Civil War, she comes back, and it is revealed that she is the power broker that has been secretly distributing stuff and manipulating stuff behind the scenes. What did you think of a, the heel turn for this character? And, uh, actually let's, I don't even have a B follow up. What, what did you think of this heel turn for, uh, for this particular the character? Follow up that I would add is the, um, setting of Madripoor, but we'll get into that. Um, my, yeah, my, for my, sure. My first thought, well, first of all, all I know about Madripoor is apparently in the mm-hmm. comics, it was someplace where Wolverine would occasionally go to like get off the grid, but that's literally, all yeah, I it's, about it. It's kind of, if you think about it, magic, like the introduction of Madripoor, because, you know, I mean, we, we, we spoke at great length, or rather I ranted, if you will, at great length about how, uh, during the WandaVision thing, that, about, about how the, the MCU fan base got wildly, wildly out of control with the theories. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, wildly out of control with the theories, and I and I, I politely requested, or not so politely requested, that people scale it the f back, 
And they were a little bit better in, uh, uh, actually, a lot of bit better. I gotta say, a lot of bit better until up until the end, when Sharon Carter was revealed to be the power broker, which you know was kind of obvious from the get go. And but but then I saw the the dumbest thing I saw, and this is like the Mephisto level dumb, was <laughs> people were thinking. Is she a scroll? Is she a scroll at the end? She's got to oh, be a scroll. Yeah. It's got to be a scroll. And I'm just like, guys, it can, for the love of God, it, it doesn't have to be like one thing doesn't have stuff doesn't have to be two things, right? <laughs> like it can just be the thing that it is. And in this case, yes, like no, she's not a scroll. She's gone rogue. It's it's a thing that has gone happen. I I I really liked you can it. Take some things at face value. <laughs> Exactly. Something's a face value. It doesn't have to be. She's not Mephisto. She's not a scroll. There's no secret anything. She's just yeah. Because we need boots. Like not everything has to be aliens, androids, or wizards. We need these boots on the ground villains like Valentina. Don't call her Val. And and Agent Carter, who are who's now the power broker, right? It doesn't have to be anything. And and it's just like. And I saw people even going well, like, well, she's not really the power broker. She's talking to the power broker on the phone at the end. So who do you guys think the power broker really is? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's not the power. She literally said, "I am the power." Two people referred to her as the power broker in this episode. Like, what are you talking about? Including the main villain of this entire series. Like, what's just guys? What are we doing here? Stop playing yourselves. It's the the like, comedy bit that I always. Re- refer to is the person who's mm. just so paranoid that's like are you lying to me it's like no i'm not is that a lie <laughs> it's like okay, yeah that, if you don't yeah. trust anything that's gonna be shown on screen then i don't know what you're getting out of these shows <laughs> yeah i don't it's it's just it, people want it so badly to be everything else and like we we got to see madripoor madripoor i was a little disappointed we went to madripoor and there were no drugs or ninjas which is kind of what madripoor is known for but yeah you know, i'd take it it was it was cool like like the introduction of madripoor i would say is the is the first is 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 that was the biggest sign that we're getting mutants coming forward to me right. in in the same way they were like I know people hated the the misreveal on the Quicksilver thing in WandaVision or the or the like quote unquote um, swerve on the on the Quicksilver thing in in WandaVision but it, it at least said I'm like hey that still opens the door just because this is not the execution doesn't mean they can't not do this going forward you guys that's the best part of of that particular joke, and then yeah, the yeah. introduction of, of Madripoor here means the exact same thing to me, that we're just inching closer and closer to uh, to mutants getting here. But yeah, it was, it was good to see Sharon Carter back. I like the heel turn, because it's nice to see that some people weren't... Uh, you know, it's 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 nice to see... Like, I'm a wrestling fan. I like it when, when characters make bad guy turns and, and have somewhat legitimate reasons for for doing that although yeah. it is a little bit weird that nobody came back to get her when it was all done like I, they just I agree. forgot I, it, about it her you know a little bit of a loose end to me even even as like a post-credit scene in the finale um mm-hmm. because and, and uh, but the, the heel turn made sense to me and then maybe this is because i've been watching a lot of x-men lately <laughs> but it, it yeah. feels very much like you know this is someone who tried to do the right thing and their government betrayed them for it, basically. And because they weren't Captain America, they didn't get a pardon right away. And that turned her. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it makes sense. It's just that this is a character that showed up very little in the MCU so far. So it feels very... It feels like they should be a one-note character. And now that they're not, it, I, I think that that rankles some people. 
Um, mm-hmm. my, my general thought on it is that I don't know this character well enough because again, they've been in like 30 minutes of the MCU <laughs> and, uh, 15 of it was in this show. Uh, so I, I just don't know enough to make like a judgment call, especially because I don't know where it's going necessarily. Um, but it's going somewhere and I guess that's okay. I, I'm happier that she wasn't a romantic interest for any of our main characters. Yes. At least I didn't fucking do that because the fact that I, and people probably have been talking about this for years, but like the fact that like Steve Rogers like made out with her after her aunt's funeral. So creepy. Civil War. So creepy. Fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, that was, it's easily the creepiest thing about like, if you want to point to like, Hey, should he have been able to lift uh, (laughs) Mjolnir after, you know, make it out with, you know, the great grandniece or whatever of the woman he loved five minutes after her funeral. And then like ditched her to go back in time. And you know, like, like, eh, that's a little creepy there. How pure part is he really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Very. That's wildly greasy, wildly greasy. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. All right, let's talk about uh, Aaron Kellyman, or as I like to call her, Ginger McSuper Ginger, uh, who played the gender-bent version of Carl Morgenthau, the Flag Smasher, as she was Carly Morgenthau, and was, instead of being called the Flag Smasher herself, was running a, a terrorist group called the Flag Smashers. Now, I'll tell you, I liked the motivations for these characters, for, for the, the Flag Smashers, who were a bunch of randoms that had been pumped up on, on Super Serum that uh, has is was being created, and then... Right. Like people have managed to, re- I I like the I like the motivation and the way they incorporated the blip as to say that five years ago when the blip happened, the world was the world basically had to come together. It was it was the the Watchmen thing of right of we all needed a common enemy <laughs> in order you know to come through for us. Otherwise, we're always just going to be you know squab- like doing these petty squabbles and stuff. And that like the and they explained how you know when the world went down. Or when half the world disappeared, the rest of us had the rest of us had to come together and you know welcome people into different parts, and they had to start doing things differently. And they had the phrase "one world, one people," and that you know the you know we we had to just everybody had to put aside said petty differences and come together as a planet because everything was so effed after you know Thanos did the snap that yeah. the world was technically a better place. And then when everybody came back, the people who came back were like, "All right, let's go back to the way it was before," and everybody else was like. it's super interesting because we got a little bit but uh with a comedy edge in like spider-man far from home Mm -hmm. um which is like the only yeah with like the basketball team reappearing or whatever yeah yeah the marching band shows up in the middle of a basketball court and is like haha that's hilarious and then like you know aunt may makes an offhanded comment about when she came back there were other people living in her apartment um, yeah, but that's all you get, <laughs> and and mm-hmm. you know the one dude is like five years older than everybody else, and that's all you get, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it's like okay, well it's fun, and Spider Man is supposed to be like you know generally a, a more comedic series than you know our down and gritty Captain America sort of uh, epilogue here, um, but you know obviously there'd be huge long lasting ramifications to something like that. And it's impossible to say that, you know, one side or another is on the right side of history. So it's super interesting in that, you know, everybody who's a good guy or a bad guy in this, so to speak, has motivations that you can understand 
to the point even where it wraps up and Sam Wilson's giving his big grandstanding speech, he's like, I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there, there's no clean response to it, but the whole thing is that if you don't try hard and you just make, like, these broad sweeping, you know, legislations and stuff like that, then you're going to have people who are rising up against that and, and maybe you should take a more nuanced view of it. And that's the best answer that they can come up with. And and I kind of like that it wasn't a clean ending as a result of that. Um, I think that they absolutely did Carly Morgenthau dirty in this show. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the character from the comics, for example, but the fact that it's like, okay, well, I'm going to try to talk her down and then Sharon uh, Carter is just going to mark her. And that's it for that yeah. character. It's like, oh, okay, well, that's a weird way to end it. <laughs> well, she had to shoot her because she knew she was the power broker and she had to keep that. So there were, no, it at I, least, I, it, I totally it, understand her from a story standpoint. So. Yeah. I'm just saying from a story perspective, it's like, oh, okay, so you, so she ended up dead anyway. I guess that ends yeah. the conflict, but <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, that it. was a little disingenuous. Yeah, that was a little disingenuous for sure. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like the ending that obviously Sam wanted, right? So, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end when they're like, "Oh, good, the terrorist is dead," and he's like, "No, asshole." <laughs> mm-hmm. like, and like, and and like, this was this was a better character, uh, like. The 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 Carl Morgenthau flag smasher in the comic books was always kind of a like modern version of the red skull where he, like you know i guess he, he was kind of like i don't i don't want to say neo nazi cuz he wasn't like a straight up nazi but he was always a guy who was like you know you know he he, he was just like a terrorist he, he was an anti nationalist i guess he would always just kind of like be like america death to america and stuff like that you know like like that that kind of a thing but you know, it, it was uh, it was it was it was a Captain America foil. What are you gonna do, right? Of course, of course, a guy, of course, Captain America in the you know in the like '80s is gonna have a character called the Flag Smasher, and he wants nothing to, to you know nothing more than to trample on the Star Spangled Banner, right? right like yeah. that's just you're going to write that character. The, the, but the best kind of comparison that I have based on what I've seen in this show um, is to uh, Legend of Korra's Zaheer. Where it's sort of mm-hmm. like an anarchist, like we're one people, we don't need to yeah. be living under the rule of these corrupt world leaders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, makes more sense, you know, like, fla- <laughs> I don't know. With each passing day during the pandemic, <laughs> Flag Smasher gets more and more relatable. <laughs> it's like, just, uh, oh, what a world we live in. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I thought I thought Aaron Kellyman was 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 great. Uh, do you remember uh, what start character she played in Star Wars? In Star Wars, no. Yeah, she was in one of the newer Star Wars. She was in Fist Nest. She was in the uh, the Solo movie. I never saw that. That's why. <laughs> you never saw Solo? Oh, that's why. Yeah. Well, she was in Solo. Played a kind of Star Wars version of a revolutionary in that one as well. Okay. okay. So uh, I liked. I I don't know. I kind of. It sounds like you didn't like that they they got rid of her at the end. I was I was kind of for it, mostly because I didn't want these kind of dime store super soldiers running around. I was I, 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 I was agree. I, I'm I'm happy that they sort of wrapped up that sort of uh, storyline. Yeah, but I, I it just feels like it was a disservice to the character that they had been trying to build up in previous episodes, Fair. where Sam was trying to talk her down, and it seemed like he might have been on the right track mm-hmm. there before you know. 
big fucking swinging dick when John Walker comes into the room and starts fucking shit. Yeah. Up. Like, yeah, she, I guess you're right. She never got her, like, oh shit, what have I done moment where, you know, she realized, uh, you know, I've gone too far sort of a thing. Like, she never got that redemption no, moment before fact, she got, got killed. Other flag smashers where they were like, oh, like at the end where she's like, you know, they'll remember us long after we're gone. One, yeah. One world, one people. But yeah, not, and they're like, they yeah. weren't like going along with her anymore. <laughs> Yeah, she's like one world, and they're all like, yeah, one, yeah, one totally. people, yeah, one people, yeah, totally, one people. Oh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They never, we never really got. Yeah, she didn't get that moment where she's like, shit, what have I done? I've gone too far. And then it was even funnier that, because like, cause like uh, the guy did the, they did the thing where they, you know, they they're like, we're sending them to the raft, and they locked up the the five remaining flag smashers in the thing, and then the guy whispered to him, you know, one world, one people, and then you're like, ah, oh, I guess these guys are gonna get away, and then kablamo! <laughs> They I did not. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, and it was Zemo's butler, which is a uh, great transition into Daniel Bruhl making his return as as Zemo, and as I mentioned earlier, was kind of in the Joe Pesci role for this uh, uh, Lethal Weapon style show. Um, the, the, the reference that I made a couple times that fell on deaf ears to my stepdaughter who has never seen this mm. movie <laughs> was uh, the uh, that he was the Sean Connery from The Rock. A little bit, yeah. Uh, the 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 one specific reference I made was when he was sort of like standing by in the fight where Ao just like tore off Bucky's arm, <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, Bucky, how's your bowling?" Uh? <laughs> yeah, this is good. Uh, now the number one question I have for you. Do you enjoy Turkish delights? I don't. It's real. It's. it's... I don't either. <laughs> Turkish delights suck ass, man. So, they so this suck is the reference I've ass. Before because the the big cultural reference to Turkish delight is the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Is it? Oh man, yeah, they suck ass. They the, the, the one kid like I mean spoilers for a like seventy year old book, but the the one kid basically like sells out his like brothers and sisters to the witch for more Turkish delight. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's right. Like, if it's like, yeah, if I was living in like World War Two and and sugar was rationed, and you know, a mythical being that lived in a closet was offering me unlimited Turkish delight, I would probably betray my brothers and sisters for that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> 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 circumstance in which I could see enjoying it. So, I mean, I guess if you're a refugee, it's probably the best thing you've had in months. <laughs> Maybe I guess I mean you're putting it into perspective there for me, but as a person who like as as a person who has has tasted actual sugar on good things, yep. yeah, Turkish delights suck ass. <laughs> like yeah. that was an if, awful, if you're not, that was if an you're awful not, like, candy. You know, living on like you know MREs and rations and stuff like that. Don't go I your suppose. way to get Turkish delight. <laughs> yeah, awful, awful, <laughs> just an awful candy. No but, one. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, Daniel Bruhl, just excellent in this. Just chewing the scenery, num 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 num. Every time he was out there, everything was gr- everything was excellent. Just dancing, dancing for an hour. Yeah, that was obviously the that was obviously the the number one meme coming out of this particular show and and for the year going forward is is the fist pumping. Uh, <laughs> Daniel Bruhl blowing <laughs> up things, shooting people in the head, then making cherry blossom tea like. <laughs> oh, so good! Just what a what a character. We'll see him again uh, in the movies for sure. Uh, whether whether it's Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers or whatever, he he will be back. It, it was just so good. I, yeah, damn, he was he was good. Every, every everything every scene he was in was just just excellent, just my, absolutely my, my excellent. Scene personally for that character was when they were talking about the uh, the Marvin Gaye Trouble Man. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and he's he's a masterpiece, James. You must try it. Yeah, and when he said, and like, and that I thought gave Anthony Mackie his best line read of the entire series when he says something like, like uh, t- uh, Zemo says something like. Uh, like, totally captures the African-American experience or something like that. And he goes, he's out of line, but he's right. <laughs> like, like, the man's out of line, like, but he's right. Yeah, he just goes, this man is out of line, but he's right. And, like, that was a weird thing that they went out of their way to be like, okay, this guy's not a Nazi. They were like, I, I don't know I don't know why they, maybe, I don't know if it was like they wanted people to like. I, I think that's exactly it. Baron Zemo, but yeah, they... Because they made several attempts to make sure, okay, this guy was like sort of in Hydra, but he's not a Nazi, and like here, here's what we're gonna do. We're definitely gonna, we're we're gonna have him like say the line about, you know, totally captures the African American experience. We're gonna have Anthony Mackie say he's at a line, but he's right, and then we're gonna have the line later where they're where they're all dressed up. Which, by the way, Anthony Mackie, the real Captain America, would have put his phone on silent before the big secret meeting with right. the bad guys, dude. <laughs> get it together. Come on, get it together. Um, like, uh, the. When you know when they're walking there, and he says something like, "I'm dressed like a pimp," and he goes, "Only, only a uh, an American would think a fashion-forward black man is is dressed yeah. like a pimp or whatever, right?" And it was uh, like they went out of their way several times to be like, "Okay, like Zemo's a bad guy, and he has killed, but he's not racist, right?" <laughs> like, and it was just like yeah. I was just sitting there going, "Wow, they are really making sure that this guy no, does, I... is not like a." quote-unquote racist character because he did technically kill the king of wakanda right in the uh exactly we we talked about it before but i think that the goal of this show was 100 percent to be like here's all these people some you know some you don't know some that Mm -hmm. appear to be on the good side but are actually bad some that appear appear to be on the bad side but are actually good like it it really makes you second guess everybody's uh motivation so i i think that they 100 percent after civil war were like hey what if we brought zemo back but made him like fun and lovable yeah it was, it was yeah it was just so weird and they gave him and they gave him it only happened briefly for one scene but he, he wore the mask which was which was kind of cool and he had the he had the big uh the wool neckline throughout the series which is comic accurate as well that was uh that was a lot of fun I, I just, yeah, I really enjoyed any time he was on screen. And I remember, Cap, <laughs> I you know, and the week-to-week thing was great because, you know, I still listen to Kevin Smith's Fat Man on Batman, and he had, he had like, a Zemo counter or something going. I, I forget what, like, I forget exactly what he called it. We called it, like, the Zemo O'Clock or something like that, where he, he, he's like, why haven't we seen him yet? Because you don't see him until the third episode, I think, right? Like, yeah, yeah, the end of the second is when they reference, like, busting him out. So I think the yeah, episode. They're like, yeah. And by the way, that was the one thing. Like his escape from prison, I was a little upset that that just happened in like two quick, like thirty, like twenty second flashback moments. And it's just like, oh, he's just out now. <laughs> like I was like, oh, I kind of would have liked to have seen that actually happen. I guess, but yeah, yeah it, here it we are. It kind of reminds you of the scene where uh, they busted um, Mickey Rourke out of jail in Iron Man Two. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, hey, there's just a bomb, and now he's out. <laughs> and there only seem to be about three cops at this <laughs> in, in this French pri- in this French uh, <laughs> prison. I, I actually held out hope because they they had that prison in um, uh, Civil War, obviously, where um, you know uh, they they were holding Bucky there for a while, and then he shows up mm-hmm. as a psychologist and basically activates Bucky, who breaks out. And then they eventually put him away in his place at the end of the movie. And I'm like, is Martin Freeman going to be in this show? That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he could have showed up for a for an appearance. If I'm like, did. I bet he has time to like make like a one episode sort of recurrence in the show. <laughs> but meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Some of the Easter eggs that were going on in this, uh, Danny Ramirez as uh, Joaquin Torres, that was great, and the, he, he's the second Falcon in the comics. And yeah, at yeah, the end, that, he, he gave him the that old. Was explained uh, to me by the internet afterwards, where um, in episode, was it? Yeah. episode five, I think, because uh, you know, Falcon gave him the keep him torn off, and they're like, yeah, just keep him. <laughs> yeah, and then he, yeah, he, he, uh, yeah, he, he becomes the second Falcon in the comics after Sam Wilson becomes Captain America, which is great. So that when when uh, I saw some people. Uh, I, and I know MCU likes to do stuff like this where uh, they, they, uh, you know, do the swerve. The most noticeable one is the fact that the uh, the scrolls are the good guys in this, and the uh, the Kree are the bad guys. Oh. That's the that's the that's the biggest swerve that they've done for the comic book, you know, uh, aficionados like myself. Uh, so I saw some people go and uh, like when they were trying to figure out who the power broker was, I saw a couple people saying, "Oh, it could be that Torres guy. He's always got his finger on the pulse." And I was just like, "I hope not." Right? <laughs> I'm like, "I'd rather see the other thing." <laughs> and then they did the other thing, and I was like, "That's I a lot better." Like how they sort of subverted that at the very end, where like they were mm-hmm. tracking like where the flag smashers were going to end up, and it's just because Bucky had that phone that was given to him earlier, and he's like, "Oh, it's a good app." <laughs> Yeah, that yeah, was like, funny. Of course, why? Like, if if it's available for anyone to have, why wouldn't they have it? <laughs> mm, precisely. Uh, we mentioned uh, Clay Bennett was uh, Battlestar, which was a lot of fun. Just sucked that he got killed, but I mean, yeah, they said yeah. Battlestar. Yeah, he would like to drop his cool. name a couple times and just was mm-hmm. uh, a person to motivate. They fridged him real good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Carl Lumley is Isaiah Bradley. We just gave just heaps of love for him in this but they also but they also uh they had his um his grandson which is uh yet another setup for uh the potential young avengers going forward which is something they seem to be setting up oh yeah his is uh yeah his his grandson uh eli bradley uh is patriot in the young avengers Ah, so you know so he he was in a couple scenes he was shooting hoops very poor form on the on the uh on the shooting hoops i gotta say i was gonna Uh, ask you about that (laughs) (laughs) it was just bad form i just you know sports more than i do but i'm like that scene just seemed like some guys just throwing a basketball at a hoop and not really caring what oh is yeah it was was poor form maybe i mean maybe just maybe elijah richardson is just not a basketball fan just never picked up a ball (laughs) and like obviously like because i mean like we're getting better in in movies and TV with making the sports stuff look a lot better because you know like Tim Robbins had the worst fucking pitching motion <laughs> I've ever seen in my goddamn life in one of the best you know sports movies Bull of all Durham. time Bull Durham Bull Durham right like go back like Google Google Tim Rob or like YouTube Tim Robbins clips in that movie it's it's the worst pitching form you've ever seen and and Tim Robbins is like six nine in real life too so it's even more awkward because he's all gangly and stuff and it's just uh yeah just bad pitching motion and so, same with uh Danny McBride had an awful pitching motion in uh uh Eastbound and Down too right which is I think why he never accepted any offers to throw out the first pitch at any baseball games cuz he definitely did not cuz it would make sense that you would just be like you know Hey, let's see if Danny McBride will go out and throw the first pitch as Kenny Powers, or you know, and we'll give him a commemorative Kenny Powers like '55 Dodgers jersey or whatever, right? And then he was always like, "Nope." And I'm like, pretty sure this guy knows he can't throw a baseball, so he doesn't want to do any first pitches, right? But like, we're, we've been getting better at stuff like that. But uh, yeah, that was a throwback to like 
poor form for for sure. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we, we it was kind of cool that the Eli Bradley character was there, who who uh, who is Patriot in in the Young Avengers, and you know they they set up uh, Wiccan and and whatnot in the in the first one. Although jury's out on whether they were real or whatnot in that particular uh, in that particular instance. Yeah, but yeah, the, but the, the, that, those the, were the, the post credit scene is going to be the the whole thing exists in the multiverse somewhere. See exactly that 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 sort of a thing. That's good yeah. stuff. Um, anything else you wanted to bring up as far as, as Falcon and Winter Soldier? I mean, it, we mentioned Madripoor and like the Power Broker is, is still out there. Like Power Broker Inc. and whatnot will likely become a thing with with the new uh, um, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine we mentioned earlier. It's just uh, all all just all good things. All good things going forward. Any, anything you wanted to bring up specifically? Any any fun moments or something you thought was cool? Or... Uh, just as an overall, I mean, we've now watched two of these shows um, and been big fans of both of them. Uh, yep. I, I was not ready to be interested in the last two that we haven't seen yet that have been announced, uh, specifically Loki and Hawkeye who are characters that I generally didn't much care for, to be honest. And I, I might be in the minority on Loki because I know that he's like a fan favorite and so on. But um, I'm really looking forward to these shows now because I know that they've done good stuff. And I'm curious to see what they do for these series because we've seen the Loki trailers and it seems very much, like I said, like to be some sort of quantum leap pastiche. Um with what appears to be a charismatic Tom Hiddleston doing his thing and, and possibly going through some sort of actual, you know, character arc that he hasn't really faced much of up to this point. He's just existed to be, you know, Thor's shitty brother. Um, so, so I'm really interested to see that. And also like, I, I, I mean, Hawkeye, I could give or take, I mean, that guy can, fuck off or all I care. But I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, well, we're allegedly getting a, we're allegedly getting a Hawkeye series, and I think we'd all agree we would prefer a Kate Bishop series instead well, instead of a, a Clint I'm wondering if series. It's become that, but I, I, I'm you know the track record now, as far as I'm concerned, with the shows on the Disney Plus service are you know two for two, uh, and I'm excited to see what comes out next. I, I think that we're gonna get some Marvel What If before Loki even. Uh you know I'm not sure. Uh, I. I it's either either Loki or let me see if I can bring up Phase Four here. It's either Loki or so Loki starts on June 11th. Um, yeah, is it is it Loki or or the other one that's uh, uh, freaking? Come on, it's either Loki or Black Widow that's uh, that's coming out next. Is it not? Yeah, so so Loki starts on June 11th, um, and July 9th is Black Widow. Which I which I've heard is day and date like oh so low yeah so low key first um, then uh like theaters mm-hmm. you remember I'm theaters? gonna <laughs> yeah you remember theaters I'm probably gonna stick with the old uh like I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna fork over to watch it on my couch I yep, guess that's would, that's would probably what I'm gonna my, do especially knowing that my stepdaughter's interested too um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you know thirty dollars for me alone might be steep but I'll, I'll do it if it's the family. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, just put a little bow. Uh, uh, sounds like two thumbs up for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, with a little bit of the like, yeah, yeah maybe clean do up. Do recommend. That, clean up that. I am, I am this close yeah. to rewatching even just the Captain America trilogy. 
because I'm yeah. a fan of that type of storytelling. And uh, I have such a problem with that phrase. That's that's my that's the one thing I hate. We, you know the uh, the have you seen that meme where it's like the the clip from El Dorado when or from Road to El Dorado where the one character sitting there and he's got like the seventeen ni- or seventeen swords pointed at his neck or whatever yeah. and it's like you know state an opinion that would cause people to act like this and my one for that one is that the Captain America trilogy and I'm making air quotations is not a trilogy because it's not it's, not. it's not a trilogy. <laughs> It was. I don't even care. Like, like take the Avengers movie because that's another one with where that thing is like where with the where you get that El Dorado meme where it's like, you know, uh, name something that would cause people to be that and then be like Captain America: Civil War is not an Avengers movie. That's another one. And I'm like, it is a little bit, but at the same time, it's like. It's just you can't call it a trilogy if you have to watch a dozen other movies for context of that that movie. You just yeah, you can't. Like the first two movies stand on their own, yes, but Civil War does not. It just it does not. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I, I think like, that Iron Man might appear in more minutes of that movie than than mm-hmm. Captain America. But it's all. But it, it is still. It's a dope movie. It's still dope. And it was the first appearance of, of Black Panther, so I'm always going to love it. I just don't like the fact that it can refer to yeah, as a trilogy. I don't, I, I don't think that's accurate. The franchise. It kicked off the Spider-Man franchise again. Like, I mean, it, there's a lot to enjoy. Yeah, so good. Um, before we get out of here, did you watch that Shang Chi trailer or Shang Chi? If I, if you uh, want to pronounce it properly, so I guess. So like ten minutes before this podcast started, I remembered. Oh yeah, we were going to talk about that, so I decided to watch. Yeah. It. Uh, and I nothing out of it because I don't know who that is. I don't know who anyone in it is. I think the real Mandarin's in there, and uh, oh, he is, <laughs> and that's all I know. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what it is. So, no, um, not since the Guardians of the Galaxy have I been so confused by trailer. <laughs> oh, but like this movie, there's a chance because like they're gonna get the because we saw how much money Crazy Rich Asians made right with the uh, with with the the mostly Asian cast right. Yeah. And because because you get the you get the Chinese audience and whatnot. Now I don't know. This is something I would have liked to have seen in a non-COVID uh, universe. Like, there's oh. a good chance that like Shang Chi in a non-COVID universe became the like highest-grossing single, like like just like one character MCU movie, right? Like yeah, I like I don't think obviously it wouldn't beat Endgame, but Shang Chi could easily easily have have passed. Uh, Easily have passed that. Um, so, like Shang Chi in in the comic books, he's 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 cool martial arts kung fu guy, and they decided to make uh, one change, which is um, very good because it, the trailer suggested that his father is the Mandarin, who wildly racist character from the. 60s and 70s i want to say let's say 70s i forget exactly when he debuted but but a a a wildly racist character uh that um that that is like iron man's lex luthor in the comic books right yeah and then we we kind of got the swerve with him in the the ill-fated iron man 3 movie which i don't care how many people have gone and rewatched that and claim it's a secret masterpiece that movie is hot garbage and the decision No, well, some people have, you know how, like, like in in the same vein that people would say Zack Snyder is 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 a can do no wrong and is and is uh, just a a provoc and is a provocateur, right? Uh, but just 
like just a bad movie, bad decision with the Mandarin with the twist at the end, especially when they were doing they they took this like ultra racist because it was just it was so insane because they took this ultra racist character and were not doing not ultra racist things with him, but still making you know staying true to that character and making him badass, and then all of a sudden it wasn't it, just a, a horrible horrible decision. Now Shang Chi in the comic in this they're making it seem like the Mandarin and and there's there's a uh, there's a way to, you know, like this, this may not be proven because we have a little thing on this podcast called the, uh, called the, uh, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the Median Corollary that says you can do a lot with a, basically says you can do a lot with a trailer and whatnot. And in this one, they definitely made it seem like the Mandarin is Rachel Ghoul in this. It seems like he has a secret cabal of, uh, of ninja assassins and, he, uh, like, in the comic books, he, he is very much like that, but he has these, he, he like, he has ten rings, Miller, that are uh, of alien and vibranium designs, and he wears these ten rings, and he, they give him, like, a bunch of different superpowers and stuff. Now, they're probably going to adjust that a little bit, because the ten rings will be dangerously close to what we just got from the Infinity Gems, right? Yeah. But, you know, they'll do something with it, but he's, you know, Iron Man's arch nemesis, ten rings that give him varying magical and super strength and powers and whatnot of, of to varying degrees. And he's Iron Man's you know, arch nemesis in the comic books. Shang Chi has an in even more racist caricature that is his father, and his name is Fu Manchu. So you can imagine how bad that was in the seventies, just based <laughs> off the name alone. Kevin, I don't need to go into detail, but uh, you know, Fu Manchu turns out to be a bad guy. Shang Chi realizes it, and then you know they have the whole "Should I stop my father or not?" stuff in the comic book. That is is you know, quite good. And in this one, they've swapped it. And quite frankly, I think in a in a smart fashion, where you just drop the ultra, the even more racist Fu Manchu and go with the Mandarin in this, and have him. It just it makes it look like he's Rachel Ghoul, where he trains Shang Chi to be his successor. And Shang Chi realized, hey, this is bad. I'm gonna get out of here. But then you know, eventually the past comes back to haunt you, much like. I don't know every fucking kung fu movie that was ever made in the uh, eight, yep. in the seventies in the seventies and the eighties, right? Like, and so if you just do, and we talk about it all the time, Marvel just cracks the code by just doing genre storytelling. So you've got Shang Chi here just doing fucking. It's going to be a fucking Marvel movie, but kung fu with a t- you know yeah, splash it, of Rachel Ghoul and a splash of Crouching Tiger, right? The, like the trailer, yeah, give me big uh, you know Crouching Tiger, but also Mortal Kombat vibes. <laughs> Yeah, but like the good parts of Mortal Kombat. Sure. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a trailer about something I know very little about. So I'm seeing like you know guys who have specific like you know I'm a ninja, but this is my specialty. I'm a ninja, but this is my specialty. <laughs> like it, it yeah, feels just... like it's gonna be like that sort of uh, kung fu movie slash Naruto anime sort of vibe. Yeah, and just good Canadian boy Simi Liu too, right? Like yeah. oh. Yeah, well, just, that's fun. Yeah, yeah so excited. Sure. Her. Did you watch Kim's Convenience? No, I haven't yet. Nah, me list. neither. Probably I, I should, I, I should Dane. I should Dane to watch it. I know our good friend KB, who's been on this podcast a couple times, is a, uh, is a huge, uh, is a huge Kim's Convenience guy. I'm, I'm always hesitant because I just don't trust CBC programming. I, I tend to agree, and, but uh, <laughs> right. So I know that uh, yeah. Kim's Convenience was paired like right after Shit's Creek, and we had a lot of fun with that yeah. show. So. 
So it's a little CBC renaissance, I guess, with, with <laughs> those two particular shows. Man. Um, yeah, so, man, I, I, I would say Shang-Chi is a, is a, is a deep cut cut. Cause you know, I love the Kung Fu, uh, characters oh, yeah. and I'm Iron, Iron Fist is. <laughs> Oh yeah, Iron Fist. Iron Fist is one of my boys, and they did him so dirty in that Netflix series. God, that was fucking terrible. And they, 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 I, I couldn't believe that they made Danny Rand lame. I didn't think that was possible. He does kung fu for Christ's sake, and he has a magic dragon punch. How can you possibly make that yeah, suck? Yeah, I was, I was gonna ask they... for Shang Chi. What's your over under on boardroom meetings? <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> yeah, that's how you make them lame. You just make them take boardroom meetings for thirteen straight hours with characters you don't give a shit about. <laughs> oh God, uh, so bad. Uh, but yeah, like Shang Chi. God, this is gonna be that that. It's just gonna be a dope kung fu flick in the Marvel universe. Yep. It's so exciting. So and then at the end, September, the, I think. Yeah, and so we'll look yeah, that. and then there was the one flash where like somebody had the rings around like the forearms, so that, that like they found a a, a way to do it kind of cool where they're they're not gonna be like. 10 rings you wear in your fingers i guess they're gonna be and they'll probably find like they'll probably explain it that it's like partially uh um the alien technology from you know the attacks on new york chitauri, mixed with some vibranium yeah. the yeah the chitari stuff mixed with some vibranium and stuff and then that'll be the the explanation for how they have the 10 rings and stuff and that'll be that'll be very cool i'm i'm, I'm super excited for shang chi and the legend of the 10 rings yeah i, I do wonder later. if they they retcon it like that because 10 rings was introduced in iron man one <laughs> yeah most most juiced for this i would say i'm i shang chi's got me the most juiced for a marvel movie uh since black since the first black panther because like i i just well probably since because i mean for since the first black panther but and before that civil war because black panther was in civil war and i was just like oh you know watching this was super awesome with black panther So. Oh yeah, so good because it just so they just had like the Black Panther suit might be my favorite suit because we were talking about bad suits in uh, in in the whole right, uh, right. MCU. That might be my favorite suit in in the entire MCU because they made that look cool, which. You know that's tough to do because it is a giant tough black cat live suit, action. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's tough to do in live action because it's a giant black cat suit that a <laughs> you know a grown man is wearing. So, so like but cats. they they managed to pull it off. <laughs> Exactly. So good. And that's a good way. Going out on an Anthony Mackie line. That's I can think of no better way to, to get out of here as far as ending the Falcon and the Winter Soldier podcast. Um that is it for this one. Crossover Podcast available at the crossoverpodcast.com, Facebook.com slash crossover podcast. We're also on iTunes. Please rate and subscribe. Five stars only. Uh and as always, you do not have to listen, but please download the crossover podcast. We're also on Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, so please check us out on there and pump up our numbers on those particular uh platforms and leave us a review on those if you feel like doing that as well uh please and thank you um that might be it for this week i'm not sure exactly when uh we're recording this on a tuesday it will likely be up uh wednesday morning by the time you guys are listening to this we it will be one day before the nfl draft which is on the thursday of this particular week we're recording i would imagine i will have craig on to discuss some of the fallout from the nfl draft i don't know if we're going to do that next week or being so this might be two uh podcast week it might be a a like a midweek and then an early next week um if we want to talk about the draft because this is one of the more intriguing first round draft pick first round NFL drafts of, of recent Menley, there's a very good chance that the first like five picks in this draft are all going to be quarterbacks, Kevin, which is 
just unconscionable <laughs> that we're, we're at the phrase where it's like, wow, it's just everybody's just taking a quarterback. This is crazy. Um, all right. Uh, so we'll get out of here. Kevin Miller, as always, uh, good talking to you. Can't wait to have you back on. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll probably get you back on for Black Widow or Loki, whatever the hell is up next. All right. Uh, We'll get out of here. Take care, everybody. Uh, Stay safe out there. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Crossover Podcast.